Chapter Eight of A Knight of the White Cross by G. A. Henty. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight, An Evening at Rhodes. Suleiman Ali's advice was carried out. It added considerably to the length of the voyage, but they saw only one doubtful craft. She was lying close in shore under the shadow of the sand hills and they did not see her until she hoisted her sails and shot out from the land. They were, however, three miles distant from the land at the time, and the wind was blowing from the north. Consequently, the pirate was dead to leeward. Every sail was set at once on board the trader, and, being a fast sailor, she maintained her position until nightfall. The wind then dropped, and just as the light faded, they could see that the vessel behind them had put out her sweeps. The trader kept up her sails until certain that she could be no longer seen. Then the canvas was lowered, and the crew took to the boats and towed her due north. The night was fortunately a dark one, and those watching anxiously from the deck of the trader were unable to discern her pursuer as she passed behind them. As soon as they were well assured that she must have gone on, the boats were got in, the sails hoisted again, and taking advantage of every light flaw of wind, they proceeded on their course. In the morning, the sails of the galley could be seen on the horizon, but the distance was too great for her to take up the pursuit again with any chance of success, and the trader continued her course to Acre without seeing more of her. As soon as the trader entered the port, the Egyptian captain went on shore, taking with him a copy of the safe conduct and the letter from the Grand Master to the Pasha. Going to the residence of the governor, he handed these to him, saying that he had on board Aga Suleiman Ali and a knight who was charged to deliver him up on the payment of the ransom. I have been expecting you, the governor said. I have received a letter from the Pasha, stating that he had written to the Grand Master respecting the ransom of the Aga and sending me the amount which Suleiman's son had offered. The young man was not of age when his father was captured, but he is so now, and was therefore able to raise the sum required. I will go down to the port with you myself, hand over the ransom, and welcome Suleiman, whom I know well, back from his captivity. The transfer was speedily made, a heavy purse was handed to Gervais, and Suleiman was a free man. Send me word if you can when you return to Rhodes, the latter said, as he bade farewell to the young knight. I shall be anxious until I hear. Fortune was with us as we sailed hither, but it may desert you on your return. Should aught befall you, tell your captors that if they bring you to me, I will pay any ransom that they could, in fairness, require. Should they refuse to do this, send if possible a messenger to me, and on receipt of your message, I will send a trusty man to purchase your freedom. You have treated me as a friend and an equal, and a friend I shall always remain. The vessel was to remain four days in port, to discharge her cargo and take in another, and Suleiman had talked of remaining at Acre until she sailed, but Gervais protested strongly against this. You have a family from whom you have been so long separated, awaiting your return with anxiety and I pray you to make no stay on my account. I am well content to remain on board here, 
and to look at the city which has so often been the theatre of great deeds which richard the lionheart captured and which so many of the hospitallers died to defend i was charged by the grand master not to land and indeed i feel myself that it would be an act of folly to do so there are doubtless many on shore who have relatives and friends now working as slaves among us and some of these might well seek to avenge them by slaying one of the order i feel your kindness but it would be a pain to me to know that you are lingering here on my account when you must be longing to embrace your children the four days passed rapidly gervais had at the suggestion of the governor laid aside the mantle and insignia of the order if you do not do so he said i must place a strong guard of soldiers on board in order to ensure that the pasha's safeguard is not violated sailors are a turbulent race and were you recognized here they might make a tumult and slay you before a word of what was going on reached me in any case i shall place two soldiers on board until you leave the port on the morning of the fifth day the sails were got up and the vessel sailed out from the port fortune again favoured them and they reached Rhodes without any adventure gervaise went at once to the palace and handed over the purse of gold to the treasurer he then sent up his name to the grand master and was immediately conducted to his room i am glad to see you back tresham i have been uneasy about you have you fulfilled your mission without adventure without any adventure sir save that we were once chased by a pirate on our way east but escaped in the darkness save for that the voyage has been wholly uneventful i have received the ransom and handed the purse to your treasurer i am glad that your first command has turned out so well i will see that you do not lack employment and the fact that you are able to act as interpreter will ensure you a welcome on any galley at present however it is not my intention to send out many cruisers every life now is precious and no amount of spoil that can be brought in will counterbalance the loss of those who fall however i may find some mission on which you can be employed i know that you love an active life and as for nine months you have put a rein on your inclinations and have devoted yourself wholly to study so that you might be of greater use to the order you have a good right to any employment in which your knowledge can be utilized on his arrival at the auberge gervais was very heartily greeted by the younger knights i told you you were born lucky gervais ralph harcourt said there has been more than one wager made that you would be captured but i for my part was confident that your good fortune would not desert you still though not surprised we are delighted to see you again now tell us about your voyage gervais gave a brief account of the adventure with the pirate and then described the visit of the governor to the ship did he say anything to you he was courteous and solemn just the sort of man you would fancy a turkish governor should be he looked a little surprised when i accosted him in turkish but asked no questions at the time though i dare say he inquired afterwards of suleiman how i came to speak the language the only time he actually said anything was when he requested that i would not wear the mantle of the order while in port as sailors were a turbulent race and it might lead to an attack upon me and as he was responsible to the pasha that his safe conduct should be respected 
it would be necessary, if I declined to follow his advice, to keep a strong body of soldiers on board. As this would have been a horrible nuisance, especially as I wanted to enjoy in quiet the view of the city, with its castles and walls, I acceded at once to his request, which seemed to me a reasonable one. He did send two soldiers on board, but they remained down in the waist, and did not interfere with my pleasure in any way. Next to Jerusalem, how I should like to see Acre, Ralph Harcourt exclaimed. It is, of all other cities, the most closely connected with our order. We helped to win it, and we were the last to defend it. We have heard so much about the fortress, and it has been so often described to me that I know the situation of every bastion, at least as it was when we left it, though I know not what changes the Turks may since have made. That I know not, Ralph. Of course, I only saw the seafront, and it was upon the land side that the attack was made. We know that the breaches were all repaired long ago, and it is said that the place is stronger than ever. From the port all was solid and massive. It is indeed a grand and stately fortress. Here we have done all that was possible to make roads impregnable, but nature did nothing for us. There nature has done everything, and the castle looks as if it could defy the assaults of an army, however large, and indeed it was not wrested from us by force. The knights, when the city walls were stormed, and the town filled with their foes, fought their way down to the water's edge and embarked there. But they were reduced to a mere handful, and however strong the castle may be, it needs hands to defend it. Still, it well nigh moved me to tears to see the Turkish banner waving over it, and to think how many tens of thousands of Christian soldiers had died in the effort to retain the holy places, and had died in vain. I wonder whether the Turks will ever be forced to relinquish their hold of the holy places. Who can tell, Sir Giles? The bailiff, who had come up to the group unobserved, said quietly, Certainly not in our time. Not until the Muslim power, which threatens not only us but all Europe, has crumbled to dust. So long as Acre remains in their power, there is no hope. I say not but that by a mighty effort of all Christendom, Palestine might be wrested from the infidels, as it was wrested before, but the past shows us that while men or nations can be stirred to enthusiasm for a time, the fire does not last long, and once again the faithful few would be overwhelmed by the odds that would be brought against him, while Europe looked on impassive, if not indifferent. No, knights, the utmost that can be hoped for is that the tide of Muslim invasion westward can be stayed. At present we are the bulwark, and as long as the standard of our order waves over roads, so long is Europe safe by sea. But I foresee that this cannot last. The strongest defenses, the stoutest hearts, and the bravest of hearts, cannot in the long run prevail against overpowering numbers. As at Acre, we may repel assault after assault. We may cause army after army to betake themselves again to their ships. But as a rock is overwhelmed by the rising tide, so must Rhodes succumb at last. If left by Europe to bear alone the brunt of Muslim invasion, all that men can do we shall do. As long as it is possible to resist, we shall resist. 
when further resistance becomes impossible we shall i trust act as we did before we were driven from palestine only to fortify ourselves at rhodes if we are driven from rhodes we shall i feel assured find a home elsewhere and again commence our labors the nearer we are to europe the more hope there is that christendom will aid us for they will more generally understand that our defeat would mean the laying open of the shores of the mediterranean from turkey to gibraltar to the invasion of the moslems however comrades this is all in the future our share is but in the present and i trust the flag of the order will float over roads as long at least as the lifetime of the youngest of us and that we may bequeath the duty of upholding the cross untarnished to those who come after us and we can then leave the issue in god's hands all listened respectfully to the words of their leader although his opinion fell like cold water upon the fiery zeal and high hopes of his hearers the possibility of their losing roads had never once entered into the minds of the majority of them it was likely that ere long they might be called upon to stand a siege but acquainted as they were with the strength of the place its deep and seemingly impassable moat its massive walls and protecting towers and bastions it had seemed to them that rose was capable of withstanding all assaults however numerous the foe however oft repeated the invasion the bailiff was as all knew a man of dauntless courage of wide experience and great judgment and that he should believe that rose would although not in their time inevitably fall brought home to them for the first time the fact that their fortress was but an outpost of europe in one place so distant from it that christendom in the hour of peril might be unable to furnish them with aid as the bailiff walked away there was silence for a short time and then sir giles trevor said cheerfully well if it lasts our time we need not trouble our heads as to what will take place afterwards as the bailiff says our duty is with the present and as we all mean to drive the turks back when they come i do not see that there is any occasion for us to take it to heart even if it be fated that the moslems shall one day walk over our tombs if christendom chooses to be supine let christendom suffer say i at any rate i am not going to weep for what takes place after i am turned into dust that sounds all very well sir giles ralph harcourt said and i have no argument to advance against it though i am sure there is much to be said but if the bailiff or the chaplain or indeed any of the elders had heard you say so i have no doubt you would have had a fitting reply sir giles tossed his head mockingly i shall fight neither better nor worse friend harcourt because it may be that some day the moslems are as the bailiff seems to think destined to lord it here i have only promised and vowed to do my best against the moslems and that vow only holds good as long as i am in the flesh beyond that i have no concern but what are we staying here for wasting our time it is the hour for those of us who are going to be starting for the ball given by signor Suchi. as he is one of the richest merchants in town it will be a gay one and there is no lack of fair faces in Rhodes. it is a grievous pity that our elders all set their will against even the youngest members of the community joining in a dance it was not one of the things i swore to give up however here in Rhodes there is no flying in the face of rules three or four of the other young knights were also going 
What are you thinking of doing, Gervaise? Harcourt asked. I have nothing in particular to do, Ralph, except that first of all I must write a letter to Suleiman Ali and hand it to the bailiff, praying him to send it off by the first vessel that may put in here on her way to Acre. If I do not do it now, it may be neglected, and I promised to write directly I got here. I will not be half an hour, and after that I shall be ready to do anything you like. In less than that time, indeed, he rejoined Ralph. Now what shall we do with ourselves? What do you say to a stroll through the streets? I am never tired of that. I like better to go by way of the roofs, Gervais. The streets are badly lit, and although they are busy enough in some quarters, they are so narrow that one gets jostled and pushed. On the terraces everything is quiet. You have plenty of light and music, and it is pleasant to see families sitting together and enjoying themselves, and if one is disposed for a cup of wine or a cool sherbet, they are delighted to give it, for they are all pleased when one of us joins the group. I have quite a number of acquaintances I have made in this way, while you have been working away at your Turkish. Very well, Gervais said. If such is your fancy, Ralph, let us take one of the paths across the roof. I might walk there twenty years by myself without making an acquaintance, and I do not pledge myself to join in these intimacies of yours. However, I shall be quite content to amuse myself by looking on at the scene in general, while you are paying your visits and drinking your sherbet. There are plenty of fair girls among the Rogians, Ralph said with a smile, and though we are pledged to celibacy, we are in no way bound to abstain from admiration. Gervais laughed. Admire as much as you like, Ralph, but do not expect me to do so. I have scarcely as much as spoken to a woman since I entered the house in London, and I should have no idea what to say to a young girl. But it is part of the education of a true knight to be courteous to women. It is one of the great duties of chivalry, and you must remember that we are secular knights, as well knights of the order. The work of the order is quite sufficient for me at present, Ralph. In time I may come to like the society of women, to admire their beauty, and possibly even to wear the color of someone, for that seems to be the fashion, though why we, who are bound to celibacy, should admire one woman more than another, I cannot understand. They had by this time descended from the castle, and were taking their way along one of the broad paths that led over the flat roofs of the houses by means of the bridges thrown across the streets. These are some acquaintances of mine, Ralph said stopping at one of the walls, some three feet high that bordered the path. Beyond was an enclosure of some fifty feet square, clumps of shrubs and flowers surrounded by stonework some eight or ten inches high, enclosing the earth in which they grew were scattered here and there. Lamps were hung to cords stretched above it, while others were arranged among the flowers. In the center a large carpet was spread, and on this some eight or ten persons were seated on cushions. A girl was playing a lute, and another was singing to her accompaniment. She stopped abruptly when her eye fell upon the figures of the two young knights. "'Here is Sir Ralph Harcourt, father,' she exclaimed in Italian, which was the language most used on the island and spoken with more or less fluency by all the knights, among whom it served as a general medium of communication. 
Are you waiting to be invited in, Sir Knight? She went on saucily. I thought that by this time you would know you were welcome. Your tongue runs too fast, child, her father said as he rose and walked across to Ralph. You are welcome, Sir Ralph, very welcome. I pray you, enter and join us. I will do so with pleasure, Signor Fredos, if you will also extend your hospitality to my friend, Sir Gervais Tresham. Most gladly, the merchant said, I pray him to enter. The two knights passed through the gate in the wall, all rose to their feet as they went up to the carpet, and greeted Ralph with a warmth which showed that he was a favorite. He introduced Gervais to them. I wonder that I do not know your face, Sir Knight, the merchant's wife said. I thought I knew all the knights of the order by sight, from seeing them either at the public ceremonies or observing them pass in the streets. For the last nine months, Sir Gervais has been an anchorite. He has been learning Turkish, and so devoted himself to the study that even I have scarce caught sight of him save at meals. As for walking in the streets, it is the last thing he would think of doing. I consider myself a good and conscientious young knight, but I am as nothing in that respect to my friend. I used to look upon him as my little brother, for we were at the house of the order in London together. He is four years younger than I am, and you know four years between boys makes an immense difference. Now the tables are turned, and I quite look up to him. You will believe as much as you like, Signora, of what Sir Ralph says, Gervais laughed. As you have, he says, known him for some time, you must by this time have learnt that his word is not to be taken literally. We learned that quite early in our acquaintance, the girl who had first noticed them said, with an affectation of gravity. I always tell him that I cannot believe anything he says, and I am grateful to you, Sir Knight, for having thus borne evidence to the quickness of my perception. By this time the servants had brought some more cushions, and on these Ralph and Gervais seated themselves. Wine, sherbet, and cakes were then handed round. The master of the house placed Gervais on his right hand as a stranger. You have been among our islands, Sir Gervais, but indeed I need not ask that, since I know that you and Sir Ralph were knighted together for your valor in that affair with the ships of Hassan Ali. We come from Lesbos. It is now eighty years since my family settled in Rhodes, and we have seen it grow from a small place to a great fortress. "'Tis a wonderful place,' Gervais said. "'I know nothing of the fortresses of Europe, but it seems to me that no other can well be stronger than this, that is, among places with no natural advantages. "'The knights have always had an abundance of slaves,' the merchant said, "'so many that they have not only had sufficient for their work here, but have been able to sell numbers to European potentates, Yes, Rhodes is wonderfully strong. That great fosse would seem as if it could defy the efforts of an army to cross. And yet the past has shown that even the strongest defenses, held with the greatest bravery, can be carried by generals with immense armies, and careless how they sacrifice them, so that they do but succeed. 
Look at Acre, for example. I was looking at it five days ago, Gervais said, and thinking that it was beyond the might of man to take. Do you mean that you were at Acre? The merchant asked with surprise. Yes, I went there to hand over a captive who had been ransomed. Of course, I had a safe conduct, and I was glad indeed of the opportunity of seeing so famous a fortress. You were fortunate indeed, Sir Knight, and it was, if you will pardon my saying so, singular that so young a knight should have been chosen. Assuredly, even the senior knights of the order would rejoice at the opportunity of beholding a fortress so immediately connected with the past history of the order. It was due entirely to my being able to speak Turkish, Gervais said. As my friend Sir Ralph was mentioning, I have been studying hard, and can now speak the language fluently, and as this was a necessity on such a mission, and the few knights who can so speak it are all in high office, and could hardly be asked to undertake so unimportant a service, I was selected. And you really speak Turkish well. It is an accomplishment that few, save Greeks, subject to Turkey, possess. Do you intend, may I ask, to make Rhodes your home? I ask because I suppose you would not have taken this labor had you intended shortly to return to England. Yes, I hope to remain here permanently. I know that the first step towards promotion here is generally a commandery at home, but I did not enter the order with any idea of gaining office or dignity. I desire simply to be a knight of the cross and to spend my life in doing faithful service to the order. A worthy ambition indeed and one that, so far as my experience goes, very few knights entertain. I see yearly scores of young knights depart, no small proportion of whom never place foot on roads again, although doubtless many of them will hasten back again as soon as the danger of an assault from the Turks becomes imminent. You see, we who dwell here under the protection of the order naturally talk over these things among ourselves and although in the matter of fortifications all will admit that enormous efforts have been made to render the town secure it is clear that in the matter of knights to defend them there is very much left to be desired it is all very well to say that the knights from all parts of europe would flock hither to defend it but the journey would be a long one and would occupy much time and they would probably not receive news that the turks had sailed until the place was already invested. Then it would be difficult, if not altogether impossible, for ships with reinforcements to make their way through the Turkish fleet and to enter the port. To man the walls properly would need a force five times as numerous as that which is now here. I recognize the valor of your knights. They have accomplished wonders, but even they cannot accomplish impossibilities. For a time they could hold the walls, but as their number became reduced by the fire of the Turkish cannon and the battle at the breaches, they would at last be too weak any longer to repel the onslaughts of foes with an almost unlimited supply of soldiers. That is true enough, Gervais admitted, and to my mind it is shocking that four-fifths at least of the order, pledged to oppose the infidels, should be occupied with the inglorious work of looking after the manners and estates of the society throughout Europe. 
while one-fifth at most are here performing the duties to which all are sworn of the revenues of the estates themselves a mere fraction finds its way hither still i trust that the greater part of the knights will hasten here as soon as danger becomes imminent without waiting for the news that the turkish armament has actually set forth for an hour the two young knights remained on the roof gervase talking quietly with the merchant while his companion laughed and chatted with the ladies and friends of their host after they had left with the promise that it would not be long before they repeated their visit ralph bantered gervais on preferring the society of the merchant to that of his daughters i found him a pleasant and very well-informed man ralph and enjoyed my talk with him just as you enjoyed talking nonsense to his daughters and listening to their songs who is the man sitting next to the eldest daughter he doesn't belong to rhodes but is a greek from one of the islands though i did not catch from which i don't know whether he is a relative of the family or a business connection of the merchants or a stranger who has brought a letter of introduction to him nothing was said on that head why do you ask i don't like the man's face he is a handsome fellow but has a crafty expression he did not say much but it seemed to me that at times when he appeared to be sitting carelessly sipping his sherbet he was really trying to listen to what vrados was saying to me he could not do so for we were on the other side of the circle and were speaking in somewhat low tones while the rest of you were chatting and laughing what should he want to listen for most sapient knight that i can't tell ralph but i am certain that he was trying to listen well as you were no doubt both talking more sensibly than most of us ralph laughed he certainly showed his discernment i dare say i am wrong gervais said quietly but you know we have our spies at constantinople and probably the sultan has his spies here and the idea occurred to me that perhaps this man might be one of them well i am bound to say gervais ralph said a little irritably i have never heard so grave an accusation brought on such insufficient evidence or rather as far as i can see without a shadow of evidence of any kind we drop in upon a man who is one of our most respected merchants whose family has been established here many years whose interests must be the same as those of the order and because a guest of his does not care to take any active part in my joking with the girls and because you imagine that there is a cunning expression on his face you must straightway take it into your head that he must be a spy excuse me ralph i simply said that the idea occurred to me that he might be a spy which is a very different thing to my accusing him of being one i am ready to admit that the chances are infinitely greater that he is an honest trader or a relation of the merchant and that his presence here is perfectly legitimate and natural than that he should be a spy still there is a chance if it be but one out of a thousand that he may be the latter i don't think that i am at all of a suspicious nature but i really should like to learn a little about this man i do not mean that i am going to try to do so it would be an unworthy action to pry into another's business when it is no concern of one's own still i should like to know why he is here 
Ralph shrugged his shoulders. This comes of living the life of a hermit, Gervais. Other people meet and talk and enjoy what society there is in the city without troubling their heads for a moment as to where people come from or what their business is here, still less whether they are spies. Such ideas do not so much as occur to them, and I must say that I think the sooner you fall into the ways of other people, the better. There is no harm done, Gervais said composedly. I am not thinking of asking our bailiff to order him to be arrested on suspicion. I only remarked that I did not like the man's face, nor the way in which, while he pretended to be thinking of nothing, he was trying to overhear what we were saying. I am quite willing to admit that I have made a mistake, not in devoting myself to Turkish, but in going to the merchants with you this evening. I have had no experience whatever of what you call society, and, so far from it giving me pleasure to talk to strangers, especially to women, it seems to me that such talk is annoying to me, at any rate at present. When I get to your age, possibly my ideas may change. I don't for a moment wish to judge you or others. You apparently enjoy it, and it is a distraction from our serious work. I say simply that it is an amusement which I do not understand. You must remember that I entered the order in consequence of a solemn vow to my dead father, that I regard the profession we make as a very serious one, and that my present intention is to devote my life entirely to the order, and to an active fulfillment of its vows. That is all right, Gervais, Ralph said good-temperedly. Only I think it would be a pity if you were to turn out a fanatic. Jerusalem and Palestine are lost, and you admit that there is really very little chance of our ever regaining them. Our duties, therefore, are changed, and we are now an army of knights, pledged to war against the infidels, in the same way as knights and nobles at home are ever ready to engage in a war with France. The vow of poverty is long since obsolete. Many of our chief officials are men of great wealth, and indeed, a grand master or the bailiff of a lang is expected to spend, and does spend, a sum vastly exceeding his allowance from the order. The great body of knights are equally lax as to some of their other vows, and carry this to a length that, as you know, has caused grave scandal but I see not that it is in any way incumbent on us to give up all the pleasures of life. We are a military order, and are all ready to fight in defense of Rhodes, as in bygone days we were ready to fight in defense of the Holy Sepulchre. Kings and great nobles have endowed us with a large number of estates in order to maintain us as an army against Islam, and as such we do our duty but to affect asceticism is out of date and ridiculous. I have certainly no wish to be an ascetic, Ralph. I should have no objection to hold estates if I had them to hold. But I think that at present, with the great danger hanging over us, it would be better if, in the first place, we were all to spend less time in idleness or amusement, and to devote all our energies to the cause, I mean not only by fighting when the time comes for fighting, 
but by endeavoring in every way to ward off danger. When I see danger, I will do my best to ward it off, Gervaise, but I cannot go about with my nose in the air, snuffing danger like a hunting dog in pursuit of game. At any rate, I will not bother you to accompany me on my visits in the future. End of chapter 8 Recording by Peter Strong, Sabetha, Kansas On December 26th 2018